Just a quick trigger warning before we get started. This episode of the Audiocraft podcast contains brief references to suicide, childhood abuse, and mental health issues. Hi, I'm Bernadette Nguyen, and welcome to the Audiocraft podcast. This podcast was produced and recorded on the land of the Wurundjeri and Jaja Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation, and on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to the elders past and present and acknowledge that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. In this feed, you'll find recordings from the Audiocraft Podcast Festival. But this season, we're switching it up. We're focusing on the behind-the-scenes productions of our podcasts. We'll be speaking with the Audiocraft producers about the series they've been working on and how they've made them. In this episode, Audiocraft producer Sam Loy chats to Sarah Alexander and Darcy Sutton from Beyond Blue. They work together on Not Alone, an award-winning podcast hosted by journalist Mark Fennell. Beyond Blue is an Australian mental health and well-being support organisation. They provide support programs for people affected by depression, suicide, anxiety disorders and other related mental illnesses. Not Alone tells the stories of everyday Australians who've experienced mental health distress. In each episode, one person shares their story from struggling with postnatal depression, wrestling with sexuality, to the day-to-day living with chronic pain. This podcast was made with the hope that sharing these stories will help others struggling with their own experiences. Sam, Sarah and Darcy talk about what it's like to produce a series dealing with sensitive subjects. We get an insight into how they navigated the careful guidelines around mental health the hard decisions they had to make, and some of the surprising things they learnt while making the series. This episode was recorded remotely and in lockdown in August 2021. Hi there, welcome to the Audiocraft podcast. My name is Sam Loy. I am very happy to be speaking today with two people who I've been working with for two seasons on a wonderful podcast called Not Alone from Beyond Blue. So I'd like to introduce Sarah Alexander and Darcy Sutton. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hey, Sam. Why don't we start at the start and for you guys, tell us what the rationale was, like I guess the big why. Why did you want to produce a podcast and why this podcast? I suppose – for both Darcy and myself, pretty avid podcast listeners. So we understood how much of an intimate space they occupy, that it's you and your headphones. So we thought that would be a really great space that would lend itself to mental health stories, which are pretty intimate, but would also help us overcome that barrier of people not sharing enough stories. Yeah, totally. And I mean, at Beyond Blue, we often talk about statistics and the statistics are really powerful. You know, there's 3 million people in Australia living with depression or anxiety, but those statistics become a whole lot more powerful when you give them a voice and a personal touch. Is there like any research or or an understanding about the power of talking and about hearing stories in the mental health space? We do know that, especially at Beyond Blue, that with a lot of the content that we put out, especially on our social media channels and on our website, the things that continually get shared or get clicks um, or get time spent on page are personal stories. So we know at our end that that resonates. Yeah, it's kind of hard to quantitatively say that this works better than that, but that assumption I think has worked. And I remember when we were brainstorming, Sam, in the early days before season one, like this could have been a podcast where 90% was clinical 
or subject matter expert on a condition. You can do that and other podcasts do do that in this sector, but it just felt more powerful to have first-person storytelling and try and create a bit of a narrative arc that invites the listener to relate to this story. Yeah, for sure. I suppose I should just say a little bit about the format and the style of the show for anyone listening to this who hasn't listened to Not Alone. You know, we have a long-form interview that then is edited down. Some of the interviews are two hours, two and a half hours long, and each episode is between 30 and 40 minutes. So we edit that down and then we add documentary sort of style elements, you know, music and voiceover narration and sound effects. And then we finish each episode with uh, Lee Clinical Advisor from Beyond Blue, who sort of, I guess, what would you say, sort of like more the macro view of, of that individual story? Yeah, I suppose that they were kind of part of the two principles that we had going into the podcast were educate and support. And so everything that we do at Beyond Blue is research-based. So that was a good way of tying that in, of kind of having that subject matter expert or kind of head of that field or in that space and then also provide to the listener, okay, if you're going through this or you know someone is going through this or something similar, these are some actionable steps that you can take to support yourself or support someone else. When we talk about sort of how each episode came together, I find that the process of that you guys went to to actually find the interviewees, the storytellers, was quite interesting. Why don't you t- tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So very fortunate at Beyond Blue to have a large community of lived experience speakers. So these are everyday Australians who have experienced mental health distress. It might be anxiety, depression. It might be supporting a loved one in their life who's, who's gone through a really tough time. And these people reach out to Beyond Blue and they say, I want to tell my story. And they often go out to um, events, workplaces, sporting teams, schools, you know, all sorts of avenues for, to tell their story. But this was one of the first projects where it was, instead of speaking to a room of people, why don't we speak to a host and send that story into the podcast universe and it can reach 10,000 people. 100,000 people, whatever it is. So it's kind of extending the reach of an already powerful program. So that speaker's program, that's where we found the stories. They all submit their stories in a Word doc. Sarah and I read through a lot of them, (laughs) (laughs) which is a heavy process because there's some, you know, it's, it's heavy subject matter and people are pouring their souls out and it's hard to just navigate each story and then say yep cool I'll put that one over there and I'll go get a coffee and like it's it's hard um so that that shortlisting process is tough but it's probably one of my favorite parts of this whole process of pre-production because there's so many amazing stories the speakers make this podcast what it is were there particular things that you were looking for when you were shortlisting yeah it's interesting because we're also guided a bit by the speakers team some speakers don't really want to share their story so publicly they prefer just kind of a bit more intimate settings uh so we kind of take on board some of their ideas we also especially for season one we look to our forum so we've got a, a forums attached to our website an online forum where people can come and share their stories or ask questions about mental health or what's going on in their life anonymously and from those forums we pulled some ideas around what people are speaking about the most and that then went into influence 
the speaker stories that we shared in season one. For season two, we tried to go a bit deeper on some of the themes and the conditions that we spoke about in season one and also try and shine a light on some of the things that we possibly don't talk enough about. I'm interested in your take too, Sam, because for for season one, we went in not having any podcast experience as such. And we were kind of like, do we have an episode on depression, on anxiety and and lead it with the topic, loneliness, isolation, these sort of things. But I think your input was pretty strong with that too, where trying to bring out the stories more so than going in with this preconceived topic and fitting someone's story into the topic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think what always sort of like floats my boat and piques my interest is it is like that narrative arc in, in a story, like where a person starts in one place and they finish in a, in a different place. It's, I mean, that's the classic sort of story design. But I think sort of one of the challenges, personally speaking, was the thought of a person's experience as like, you know, this this narrative story that we're trying to, you know, use to – um to reach and to resonate, but also to entertain. That sort of way of thinking is a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit challenging because it's a little bit off, you know, to sort of like think in in those kind of ways. I think it is important that you have a purpose. We're going to create this podcast and it's going to yeah, resonate with listeners and make listeners feel a certain thing. Then you need to kind of think in that framework as well. You always need to be respectful that it's a person and this is their life. But at the same time, yeah, you need to lend yourself to that thinking of, but I'm also creating a story. And so those things of like, you know, the classic sort of structures of the start, the middle and the end and and that narrative arc, that was certainly something that I was really interested in drawing out. And I like to think that we achieved (laughs) our goals in that one. It's really interesting you raise that, Sam, because it's one of those things that we know with mental health stories, they're not linear. They don't have that start, middle and end. And that a lot of the times of the stories that we've told or shared that there's a turning point or a setback and then there's another setback and then there's another setback. It's not that, you know, problem, solution, move on. So it is, yeah, it's definitely kind of tricky to make that fit into that typical storytelling narrative. And I think from that shortlisting of the stories, the development of the outlines before they step into an interview room with Mark Fennell, that thorough process of building the outline where you would jump on a phone call with them or sometimes two, in fact, often two, Mm -hmm. and really try and flesh out the key beats of this story and things like turning points, things like management strategies. That was really interesting learning for me as well, just seeing that come through in pre-production. So it's not read the story. Yep, James is an awesome story. Let's, let's get him in the studio. It was what could this episode look like? And having an idea of that ahead of recording was something I think worked well. And it made the speakers feel at ease too. And that's a big thing for this because this is everyday Australian. So this is a daunting process. And one of the proudest takeaways from both seasons is the feedback from the speakers in terms of how they felt and they felt supported and it felt almost cathartic to tell their story in this forum. Why don't you also talk about sort of the care and support that occurs after as well? I think even before we get on a phone call with you to develop outlines, we've got a clinical team here 
and they'll check in with the speakers to make sure that they're essentially that, that they're feeling supported and they're feeling comfortable. And they've got that contact the whole way through the process, as well as a contact in the speakers team, as well as Darcy and myself. And so then, yeah, we have the back and forth before going into the studio. And I also like want to shout out to Ryan De Silva. He went above and beyond in his role as an audio engineer in creating a really calm and safe environment in the studio too. Like it wasn't too rushed. He was happy to take his time and help people settle in, which I think also adds to the efforts that we put in. And then after the interview, which generally goes for about two and a half hours, they're pretty big interviews and pretty strenuous too, our clinical team will have a chat with them generally that evening, giving them the speakers some time to chill out a bit and go through that process. And then following the recording during the post-production and the editing stage, we'll then bring in the speakers at around version two to start making sure again that we're sharing their story in the correct way. The way I look at it is that the the speakers are trusting us with their story, so the least we can do is really make sure that we're getting it right. Even though now I've been working in mental health for a few years, it still makes you check yourself that there is so much in the nuances in these stories. It's not just some sort of equation of bad home, some sort of isolation, a bad event, mental health situation, diagnosis, blah, blah, blah. It's like a lot of the times in these stories, people are coming from traditional, I'm going to, I'm using air quotes, healthy backgrounds and healthy families and this sort of thing. And by speaking with the speakers through all these different rounds of review, we're really able to hone in and kind of help seen a bit more in technicolour, not just the black and white. Totally. And even with something like diagnosis, Mm. where I thought that would be in every episode, you know, it's a question after the crisis point, seeking help, what were you diagnosed with? And I still remember Caroline from season one, and she just said, we're not interested in diagnosis. It doesn't work. It didn't work for me. It didn't work for my son. The story was about her son who was suicidal at the time and was dealing with depression. But the label of a diagnosis didn't work for them. And she fully acknowledged that for some people, it's quite liberating to hear anxiety, postnatal depression, these terms which can put a name to the feelings I have. But for others, they don't work. And I think the, yeah, the myriad of experiences really came through. So, I mean, just looking at how we actually pulled the podcast together, what happened next for you guys? We needed to bring in experts. Sarah and I have the passion. We had an idea for what this podcast could look like, but we also had honest conversations about we need a bit of professional support here. And in the main way was to oversee the production. So after a lot of Google searches, a lot of talking to various people, going to podcast conventions as well, we came across AudioCraft. And we actually came across you, Sam Loy. And after, I reckon, one chat with you and learning about your background in mental health, it was just, <laughs> this sounds like a, it was meant to be. Um, <laughs> sorry, that sounds extremely naff. Oh, um, it's written but, in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, it mattered a lot to us, not just the podcast production, but um, taking care of these speakers, which we've, we've touched on. And for the way you've handled it justifies that 
we were right with that assumption. And I think it, the other part of it, we needed a host, someone who was a professional interviewer and who didn't make interviews about themselves because this is not interviewing celebrities, it's interviewing everyday Australians and trying to make it quite relatable. So finding a host with that light touch who can build a connection with the speaker quite quickly and make them feel at ease. For us, that was Mark Fennell. Um, we'd seen a lot of the, the stuff he'd done in previous work and he's probably the busiest man in Australian media. So we were stoked when he said yes. So that was us assembling our little dream team. I guess from there, you know, the production process really was just about having those pre-interviews with our speakers. And then from there, sort of doing up a bit of a, a dot point outline, really, that was from our recollection and from our note taking, this is what we think your story is. And this is the story that we'd like to tell. And of course, you can't include everything, but then that gets sort of seen by each speaker and they, you know, correct any mistakes or anything that we might have gotten um, slightly wrong. That outline gets revised and then we essentially take that outline into the studio and then that's what the questions are formulated around um, is trying to hit each of those sort of points on the outline. I mean, it should be noted once you collect the tape, you know, not everything in the outline makes it into the episode and that's often for reasons of, you know, maybe it didn't, I don't know, from an interview sort of point of view, it didn't that moment didn't land. Maybe it just doesn't matter. On additional reflection, you just sort of think, well, this part of it doesn't actually matter for the final story, so let's remove that. We take that tape and edit it down. We start adding music and sound effect elements. And, and then, as you guys have said, you know, we share it back with the speakers and then they sort of give their all clear. And we have review stages from you and, and your team. So you got your guidelines as an organisation, well, what can you tell us sort of about the mental health in media guidelines as well that exist? I've got that term wrong, but... And I'm going to get it wrong too. Um, it's it's something like oh, mind, mind frame. There we are, mind frame. And it's essentially um, ways of discussing mental health safely with the general public. Uh, it can be a bit of a fine line. It's especially around suicide and suicide prevention, how you can safely discuss that. So we do kind of have a bit of a few hurdles, especially for Noel's story in season one and Chantelle's story where there was some talk of thoughts came into her mind. Yeah. It was, it was more the methods, wasn't it? Yeah. So we can't, we, we tend to stay away from talking around the methods and that sort of stuff, but it, it is still a bit of a tightrope because you still want to share these stories because by sharing stories about suicide, you're helping with prevention and helping fight stigma, but it's also doing that in a safe way. Um, and it's also where we don't know the the history of the listener, how things are going to resonate with them or affect them. I think we've navigated it pretty okay <laughs> for two seasons, but there have been some some tricky points. Yeah, even the language as well. It's hard to tell a speaker terms that Beyond Blue likes to use because they're telling their story. They're not employees of Beyond Blue. But for the most part, the speakers did an amazing job. We didn't have to enforce language guidelines because they're used to telling their story. Um, they receive training by Beyond Blue when they come on as well. So I think that helped. But even something like a language guideline, like we Beyond Blue, we, we don't say committed suicide because committed comes from a period of time a long time ago when suicide was considered a crime. You commit a crime you commit suicide. Things like that 
language matters. So we just do our best to navigate that. It's probably a good thing to hear for anyone out there listening to this. Not necessarily, you might not be venturing out to do a podcast explicitly about mental health, but I think if you are creating a story that at any time sort of deals with these things, that the mind frame guidelines are available like online, they're backed by research and they're backed by people who know more about this stuff than, than certainly I and probably you guys as well. The next thing I'd like to talk about, it would be challenges. Anything that I do as a storyteller, like I want to tell stories. And sometimes those guidelines, they can be challenging, you know, because, oh, I really want to include this thing because to me, this is such an important part of the story and it conveys this meaning and that meaning and blah, blah, blah. And then you're told that, no, you can't have that in, which can be a challenge. An important thing for me to remember in sort of overcoming that challenge is A, you can't really do anything about it. Like we're going to follow those guidelines because it's important. B, having something as a challenge isn't necessarily a bad thing because you can then get creative in order to get around that. In a way, it makes the process sort of more exciting. It's like, okay, if I cannot include this part, how am I going to convey that same meaning with that cut out? And looking back and you listen to the episode's I can't even remember often like what the parts were that we had to cut out. They don't create a really big hole. How about for you guys? Like what was like a challenge? Oh, I think from probably the get-go it was getting <laughs> – we're very we've become a pretty big organisation now. Taking something that was so conceptual and getting buy-in across the board, that was, that was pretty hard because it was – there were discussions around, oh, is this a product? Is this – is this a service? What, what What do you mean? Is it a pot? Are we, hold on, is this safe to be giving people advice? And we're like, we're not giving advice. We're sharing stories. So it was like from the get-go, it was something very conceptual that a lot of people couldn't quite wrap their heads around. And until we probably started releasing episodes that we had a lot more people on board. Yeah. And it's a very outcome-driven organization, which is great. The hard truth is it's hard to measure an outcome from someone who listens to a podcast episode. What action did they take next? Did they seek help? Did they go to a GP? Did they have an honest conversation with their partner or, or a loved one? We don't know. But we have to embrace the fact we don't know and say that we're still doing this and we're going to provide the story that they can model managing their mental health on. So, yeah, it, it's hard to measure outcomes for, for podcasts. We've got listens, downloads and, and all of that sort of thing, but we don't have next steps. thought we'd take a little bit of time just to pull out like our favourite sort of little snippet from the season, sort of chat about it, I guess, why it was our favourite. So well, I might kick off. This is my favourite bit. The farm is a great place to collect your thoughts. And I really think for those early years, the farm did save me. Yes, it was a means of hiding, but... It allowed me time to grow, allowed me time to build some confidence. But I think sitting on a tractor, thinking time. Yeah. So you're by yourself, you got the humming. I think as a little boy, I would sit in the dairy and the pulsators would be clicking away backwards and forwards. And if you rest your ear against the metal work, it would vibrate. And so I'd just fall asleep, leaning against hearing that noise clicking away. It is. It's just that sort of. It's that sort of safe space. That for me 
in sort of putting the show together, what I try to do with each episode is to sort of end it. Their story has finished, essentially, but then we end it with like a quote or a little scene, a positive sort of send-off. And so what you just heard was the last bit from Ross's story, his life as a farmer, and one of the strategies or one of the things that helped him was being a farmer. So then, yeah, to hear that sort of that last little bit where he finds that comfort on the farm, definitely one of my favourite parts. Let's hear Darcy. So this is Darcy's favourite moment. I remember running down the boundary line and I can still see vividly Craig was in the goal square and he had his arms in the air and he was saying, kick it to me, kick it to me, kick it to me. Now, I could use the excuse that um, the other player was right there and maybe he wasn't going to mark it. But that's an excuse and that's... No, that's not right. So... I had a shot at goal and... uh, um, I wish I'd kicked it to him. Yeah. I wish I'd kicked it to him. Because I didn't kick the goal. I was never going to kick the goal. I wish I kicked it to him because it wasn't about kicking the goal. It wasn't about winning. It was just about supporting him. This scene really stood out to me, partly because I didn't see it coming. This scene seems like an ordinary scene from his childhood. It's a country footy game where he... Obviously, he didn't pass the ball to his brother. Now, I've played in so many junior games where I didn't pass it to someone that I should have. I don't remember them at all. But the way that Brad vividly described this and took you back to the moment, it just, it was heartbreaking. I remember sitting there listening to it live in the, in the studio and just, it was one of those moments where, you know, you get goosebumps listening to it. And the scene, I think, just, said so much more than what actually happened. And it summed up Brad as a person. People who are listening to this and just heard that snippet who haven't heard the whole story, I'm sure they've got now a very good sense of what the story is about. There's so much packed into that short scene. All right, this is Sarah's favourite, not favourite bit, but a bit bit that she really likes. Let's go with that. When she finally got into the doctor's room, Chantelle just bared her soul telling the GP everything that had been going on for her. The depression, the external pressures, the doubts and the fears, and of course, those images of hurting her children. She was the first person I told any of this to, and it must have just exploded out. Her first response after I finished, and I remember the look on her face, she was like, "Um, I've noticed in your file you're of Indigenous heritage, and after what you've shared with me, I believe that we should call child protection to do a welfare check on your kids and that it might benefit you to spend time in a mental health facility. How did you feel when you heard those words? It devastated me. I was like, she believes that I'm capable of hurting my children enough. If the police come, they're going to take my kids. We were living in social housing. Their dad's black. Like, I just had all these thoughts running through my head that they're going to take my kids. I remember reading... Chantelle's story and reading this section and it it knocked the wind out of me because you've got someone who's there as a woman I think this also connected it on another level that you've got someone that's gone through giving birth 
raising a child and in now noticeable distress, not coping, and then going to actively seek support for themselves and getting that response. It's a bit of a reminder that, yeah, we've come so far with mental health, but we still have so much further to go to make it intersectional, to make it safe, to make it accessible to everyone, no matter what their background is. It's a bit of a reminder that we've got to keep going and we've got to keep sharing these stories. And I think as well, like we talk about in storytelling and where someone is on a journey that like their journey is fraught with obstacles, you know, that try to stop them from getting to where they want to go. You know, it's a classic sort of like storytelling design. And there's these moments that are just loaded with so much meaning and so much context. I think it's a well about, you know, Mark, as the interviewer as well. I mean, before we got into the interview, we did know that Chantel experienced that at the doctors. We did know that Brad didn't kick the football to his brother and that it meant something to him. But as an interviewer, Mark's job is to almost allow them to arrive at that point naturally and to arrive at that point themselves. So rather than saying, hey, tell us about that time you didn't kick the football to your brother, I think his question there was, did you ever play football with your brother? you know, tell me about that. And then that was enough for Brad then to arrive at that moment. And same with Chantel, tell me about going to the doctor, what happened there, you know, as opposed to tell me about that time that the doctor was racist. And I think that's a really important sort of thing to consider if you are interviewing somebody is you can't feed that person too much. You don't need to give them all of these reminders of the events of their own life. Establish the frame and allow them to walk into it themselves. We might wrap it up just with some things that we learnt from the whole process of making Not Alone Together. So was there anything that sort of stands out for you guys in terms of key takeaways, things that you learnt? Um, I think for me, the key takeaway from this series is to embrace the messiness that comes with telling stories about mental health. If you try and squeeze it into a a structure of beginning, middle, end, you're going to be very frustrated. In fact, I think nearly every episode finishes on, you know, I'm not recovered. It's not fixed or unfixed. And that in itself is the message. Um, I think that's, that's one of the key takeaways in making this podcast is the messiness of mental health stories and the subject matter. One thing I did want to add is that don't assume that your audience isn't ready for some of the subject matter. Like we noticed... Ross's episode in particular, Ross and James, probably two of our heaviest hitting episodes in terms of what they talk about, their experiences. We weren't sure how that would go down with our audience. We thought it may be too much. And they've actually ended up being two of our most listened to episodes. Yeah, that's really cool. Listen, thank you, Darcy and Sarah, for chatting with me today and for chatting about Not Alone. Thanks, Thanks Sam. so much, Sam. It's been fun. That was Audiocraft Agency producer Sam Loy talking to Beyond Blue, Sarah Alexander and Darcy Sutton. The Audiocraft podcast is produced by Laura Briley-Newton and mixed by Tiffany Dimack. Music by James Milsom. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Audiocraft podcast on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. There's a whole back catalogue of audio advice for you to explore. If you liked this episode, I reckon you'll enjoy the episode from Season 2 called Handle With Care. If we don't talk about this, who does? I mean, we have a privilege of a platform here. So if we're not talking about these issues, 
who is. And we might not, it might not make us feel very comfortable about ourselves in the world when we sit and listen to these stories, but it sure didn't feel very comfortable to Eric when he was being abused. And it sure doesn't feel very comfortable for Aziz on Manus and for well, the people that you speak with all the time too. So, you know, we have a duty to hear these stories. Like might it. not like it, but it's, we, have to, we have to do it. <laughs> Keep in touch with us. Find us on social media at AudioCraftPod and sign up to our newsletter at audiocraft.com.au.